Hi guys and welcome back to another true crime and makeup time video. Today's case is very hard to cover. I have thought about talking about this case for maybe two years now and every time I've convinced myself not to. I told myself it's too violent, too gruesome, my viewers can't handle it, I can't handle it and then I think of the victim. Think about when you were in your early 20s, you work really hard at college, uni, and your friend invites you to go watch a movie. You go, you have a great time, it's a nice break from your studies. After the movie, it's later on in the evening and you and your friend get on a bus to go home. But it's the wrong bus. On this bus, your friend is beat unconscious and you are gang by six men. All you feel is excruciating agony. Now, I'm warning you guys now, this is a very upsetting case. It's very triggering. It will make you angry. This case took me almost an entire week to get through all the details, watch all the videos on it. So hearing it all pour at you in one video is tough. So please watch with caution if you find this triggering and I appreciate every single one of you. And if you're new here, my name is Zara and I post a new true crime video every single week. So if you want to see more, make sure to subscribe guys. I wanted to pop in and say that today's case is a very sensitive case and it was hard to find clear and accurate information, especially when a lot of the pages were blocked. So that is why I'm so grateful to Surfshark for sponsoring today's video. If you don't know what Surfshark is, it is a VPN company, a virtual private network that keeps your personal information safe by creating a secure connection between your devices and the internet. Why would you want to keep your information safe? Well, big companies and cyber criminals love to use your personal information to their advantage, meaning they can track what you do online and stole malware and phishing attempts. For example, how many times have you needed to use Wi-Fi, say, at a restaurant or at a mall, especially when you have kids and they want to watch YouTube like right now. Well, when you're using that public Wi-Fi and somebody else is also using that Wi-Fi, they could very easily hack into your personal information and that always freaks me out. Using Surfshark VPN encrypts my online data and helps to secure my personal information when using free public Wi-Fi. Their clean web feature also blocks ads, trackers, and malware, allowing me to go online safely. Surfshark also doesn't track, monitor, or store anything you do online, which means no connections or activity logs. The biggest pro for me is that a VPN swaps the real location of your device with a new one, so it basically changes your IP address. This way you can virtually travel to any country around the world. This was so helpful to me, especially with this case, because there were quite a few blocked articles online. So I just switched my location to India and I was able to bypass censorship and access more accurate information. Surfshark also allows you to use one account on an unlimited number of devices. And when you have as many devices as Jay and I have, desktop, laptops, mobiles, tablets, TVs, thank you Surfshark. Now you know why I like Surfshark, so go get yourself a deal because when you sign up using code ZARAV, you get an extra three months free. I will leave the link below in my description box. Surfshark also offers a 30-day money-back guarantee, so you have nothing to lose, guys. Thank you so much to Surfshark for sponsoring today's video, and thank you so much to you guys. Okay, back into today's case. 
So this case takes place in India, and I feel like some of you guys definitely would have heard about this case. Her name was Jyoti Singh Pandey. She was born on 10th May 1989 and was the eldest of three children, and she had two younger brothers, Gaurav and Saurav Singh. Her family came from a lower middle class family from a small village in Balia. And her parents were Bajranath Singh and Asha Devi. And her father, Bajri, how he's known, worked double shifts at the airport as a baggage handler so he could send his kids to good schools. He himself had dreamed of becoming a school teacher, but his family couldn't actually come up with the money to provide him with more of an education. So his education stopped after high school. Then he decided to leave this small village and move his family to Delhi, where he vowed that he would never deny his kids a proper education. Sending his kids to school and being able to send them to school made him extremely proud. And although him and his wife were religious, they had an extremely modern way of thinking. As their daughter Jyoti grew up, she had expressed her desires to become a doctor. Her parents were quite poor and sending her to university was not going to be an easy task for them. Also, as we've discussed before in other cases, in certain countries, the boys' needs are more valued than the needs of girls. Jyothi was the eldest and she had two brothers and perhaps her brothers were more deserving of the family's financial resources to put towards an education, but like according to some people's beliefs. But in this family and according to Jyothi's father, Badri, he did not believe in this or agree with this. He said it never entered his heart to discriminate between his kids and how could he be happy if his son was happy but his daughter wasn't. Her parents also said that it was impossible to refuse this little girl who loved going to school. Jyothi's parents had sacrificed everything to give their kids a better life. They lived in a small house down this blind alley in the Mahavir Enclave 2. It was an area in the southwest of the city and it was hard to confirm. I tried to Google map it, but I believe it is in or close to a poorer area of slum dwellings. I could be wrong. They had sold their little share of farmland back in their hometown in Uttar Pradesh and they did this to pay for their three children's education to study, to make something of themselves. And this was actually looked down upon by their family and fights broke out between their family because they did this. And not only did they sell this little piece of farmland that they owned, but they also sold some jewelry that they had, they had inherited from their family. And they did this to finance mainly Jyothi's education because she was the eldest and the rest of their family thought you know they were going crazy and told them not to do it but her parents disagreed they went ahead and did it because they were determined to give Jyothi a bright future and Jyothi's parents actually stated that they thought that the money was extremely well spent because Jyothi was a parent's dream an extremely good daughter exactly the kind of daughter that you hope and pray for you know and especially when you work that hard to provide them with a good life, she was exactly what they wanted. After Jyothi graduated from high school, she already began working hard to make her dream of becoming a doctor true. She wanted to help her parents pay the school fees, so she worked at night at an international call center from 8 p.m. till 4 a.m., 
Because of this, she got maybe three to four hours of sleep per night. One of her friends would ask her, how did she have the motivation to do this? And Jyoti responded with, because I can and because I have to. Jyoti always believed that girls can do anything. So at first, Jyoti, she wanted to be a doctor, like I said, but when she actually began to inquire and look into her course, her father could not afford the bank loan that it required to undertake this course. So another institute was able to offer a four-year course in physiotherapy, and it was at a much more affordable rate. Once Jyoti was qualified in this degree, she could earn up to four times her father's monthly income. As Jyoti got older, she began choosing to wear jeans and heels and tops over the more traditional dresses. She also became the second head of their family alongside her father. Whenever the, whenever there was a problem, her family would go to her. They would wait to speak to her and sometimes her father would even go and ask Jyoti's advice over her mother. This was because they knew she was sensible and she would know what to do. She was their life and she assured her family that once she was done with her schooling, their life was going to get so much better. She wanted to change her family's life. And because she was so confident and outgoing, her parents did fear for her safety from now and then. And they would always tell her to be super careful when she would go out alone. But Jyothi would always say, don't worry, you know, nothing's going to happen. I'm going to be fine. So fast forward to December 2012, Jyothi is now 23 years old. She's about to start a new internship that week and she's super excited about it. And on Sunday 16th, December 2012, around 1.30 p.m., she calls up her friend Awindra and she asks him, you know, do you have any plans later on today? So his full name was Awindra Pratap Pandey, and he was a software engineer from Gorakhpur, Uttar Pradesh, and he lived in New Delhi as well. And they had actually met two years prior through a mutual friend. And Jyothi had asked her parents that day if she could, if she was allowed to go out uh, with her friend Awindra. Her parents said yes. So before Jyothi left that day, she made tea for her family, and then she left to go meet Awindra. They decided to meet at Sackett, I think it is, City Walk, which is around an hour away from where Jyothi lived. Jyothi was around 160 centimeters tall. I believe that's like five feet four. And she was wearing jeans and a black and brown woolen sweater. Once she met up with Awindra, they decided to go watch a movie and they watched The Life of Pi, and they really enjoyed this movie. So after the movie, Jyothi and Awindra, they decide to go home, and it's about 8 p.m. at this point. At first, they asked a few rickshaws outside to take them directly from the city walk to Jyothi's place, but none of them that were there were willing to drive to Jyothi's place. And if you don't know, a rickshaw is basically like a three-wheeler, tiny little car. It's almost like a motorbike with a car covering. It's pretty tiny and usually fits two people at the back while the driver sits in the front. So because none of them were willing to drive Jyothi the 40, you know, 50 minutes home, 
they decided to take a rickshaw to Manirka bus station. And they decided to go here because they were hoping they would either find a rickshaw to take them home from here or a bus. Meanwhile, earlier that day in a slum called the Ravidas Colony in South Delhi, Ram Singh, who was a school bus driver, and his younger brother Mukesh Singh were planning and looking for ways to liven up their Sunday evening. They asked two friends to join them, 28-year-old Akshay Thakur and 17-year-old Raju. Now, this is not his real name because he was a minor at the time, so barely, but that's not his real name. And all four of them began drinking that evening. At around 8 p.m., Ram Singh decides to use that same school bus he used for work and decided to take it around town for a joyride. The four of them then picked up two more men along the way. They picked up 19-year-old Pawan Gupta, a fruit seller, and 20-year-old Vinay Sharma, who worked as a cleaner and a gym instructor. And the six men, they headed off into the city in this white bus. Sometime during this trip, they also robbed a local carpenter. Now, if you're wondering, this bus, it looks like a legit bus. If you've ever traveled to India or any other country like that, they have, I guess, public and private buses. And I guess Australia, you know, Western countries also have a similar thing. But for example, over here, you have the public bus and only those buses would pull up to a public bus stop and pick up and drop off people. Like a private bus would never do that. And if it's a private bus, you would have to go like to a specific depot or something like that. Like in the city, they have like a specific area for these types of buses. But in Delhi, I looked it up. I believe it's called the DTC or Delhi Transport Corporation. And those buses, like public buses are green. So please correct me if I'm wrong. And yeah, if you have a Metro card, you pay for your trips like a normal public bus. And I'm not exactly sure how private buses work. I believe they are normally hired for like events or groups, but this was a private uncharted bus, according to reports. And I did ask a couple of friends who were from India and what they said was um, these private buses, so they would work as a school bus during the week, right? But then in this case, Ram Singh's bus, he didn't own the bus, but he worked as the driver of the bus. But say the owner of the bus decided on the weekends, the bus was going to be like a party bus. On Saturday and Sunday, it would be charted for that. And then during the week, the school hires the bus from Monday to Friday to pick up and drop off kids. So basically they were just using the bus for fun when the bus most likely would have just been like resting for the weekend. So the six men, they continued to drink while they were taking their joyride through the city. They eventually pull over at a bus stop and park the vehicle. So as they're waiting at the bus stop, 17-year-old Raju, he gets out of the bus and he lets Jyothi and Awindra know that, hey, hey, this bus is heading to where you're heading. And Jyothi and Awindra were like, oh, it's like, we're going to Dwarka. And he was like, yeah, yeah, this is going to Dwarka too. And initially Jyothi and 
Awindra, they were hesitant to get on this bus. And again, it's not a public bus. It's, you know, just this private bus who possibly was just taking passengers to um, that location. And they were hesitant at first, but Raju kept insisting, like, come on, just get on the bus. And he also told them, I have some other passengers on the bus waiting. So hurry up and like make up your mind. The bus is ready to go. And I believe there was also another bus headed in their direction, but Jyothi allegedly stated that she didn't want to get on that bus because it was too crowded. It was 8.30 p.m. at this point, and Awindra and Jyothi wanted to make sure that Jyothi got home before 9.30 p.m. So they get on this bus instead. The other four passengers were Akshay, Pawan, Vinay, and Mukesh, and Ram Singh was driving the bus in that moment, I believe, and then Raju the 17-year-old boy was the one luring um, them onto the bus. And I also believe he acted as like the ticket ticket collector or conductor. Now, this next part is extremely sensitive information. And at first, I didn't want to go into detail. I don't want to discuss crimes about SA, murder, and and to make people relive any trauma or, you know, there are actually like some sickos out there who enjoy hearing this information retold and hearing about these stories. And that is not my goal at all, but this information is already out there. I can't control what people choose to do with that information and to share what happens next, to share the victim's stories would be to expose people like that truly evil people and hopefully one day to bring change to laws regulation standards and people's morals so please be warned i'm i'm going to try not to be very graphic but either way it's a horrific story so jyothi and awindra are now on the bus along with these four other passengers and soon awindra claims that he just feels something is off. One of the men comes up to him and asks him to pay their fare and Awindra gives them 20 rupees. And soon he realizes that the bus is heading in the wrong direction. When Awindra confronts the men with his suspicions, the men begin to taunt and make jokes towards Jyothi and him. One of the men allegedly asks Awindra, why he was out so late with a girl. And there are a couple of versions as to what happens next. Um, According to one man, Awindra said that it was none of the men's business and Awindra then slaps this man. And there are also claims from these men that Awindra was acting inappropriately with Jyothi. And I don't really know what that means according to them, but what it seems is that He maybe had his arm around her and they were giggling and laughing and um, that apparently triggered these men. Now, this is all alleged. Other claims are that Awindra started to get really pissed off at the jokes and the comments that these men were making towards the two of them. And that's when the men began to become violent with Awindra. The five men then turned off the lights, locked the doors and stopped the bus. They taunted him that he had enjoyed enough time with his girlfriend. They then gagged him and beat him till he was unconscious with an iron rod. I believe the iron rod they are referring to is this rod that's used as a wheel jack handle. Like it's kind of old school, I think, or maybe for a bus. 
Jyothi then ran to help Awindra and the men, now angry that she was defending him, I guess instead of just sitting by silently, they turned their attention to her. Jyothi then tried to use her phone to call for help, but the men quickly snatched all their belongings and ripped off their clothes. When Jyothi tried to escape through the doors, the men dragged her by her hair to the back of the bus. When she attempted to fight back, the men then beat her with that same iron rod. All six men then took turns Jyothi. Jyothi cried for help and the man driving the bus began to drive again. Then these men began to take an already horrific act to a level so evil they began to insert that same iron rod inside of Jyothi. Jyothi was being attacked and assaulted by six men in complete darkness. During this time, Awindra claims he regained consciousness and he realized what they were doing to Jyothi, so he tried to fight them, but then he was completely knocked unconscious once again. Then, according to Mukesh, Ram Singh's brother, who claims that him and Ram were taking turns, I guess, driving the bus, or Mukesh was driving the bus, as the six men were doing what they were doing. One of the men inserted his hand inside of Jyothi and began pulling out something long. It was her intestines. According to Jyothi, she said, they tore my clothes, they ripped me in turns. They hit me with an iron rod and bit me on my entire body with their teeth. They took all my belongings, my mobile phone, purse, credit card, debit card, watches. Six people ripped me in turns for nearly one hour in a moving bus. It is alleged by some of the men that Raju, the 17-year-old minor, was the first to use this iron rod to violate her. It is also alleged that he took her organs in his hands, looked at it, and laughed his heart out and threw it away. They then said, she's dead, throw her out quickly. First, they tried the back door, but that didn't open. So they dragged her to the front and they threw her and Awindra out of the bus onto the road. Mukesh, Ram Singh's brother, claimed to be the one driving the bus during the entire assault and that everyone except him assaulted Jyothi. He then said, we reached home in about 10 minutes. We agreed that no one would say anything. And if the police got involved, no one would name names. There was a lot of blood. Blood on the seats, blood on the floor. Akshay and the juvenile both cleaned the bus. Vinay had a lot of blood on his hands. He washed them at my house. The other men went through Jyothi and Awindra's belongings, keeping the things that they had wanted. They took a cell phone, a watch. Pawan put on a pair of shoes and Akshay put on a jacket. Mukesh then claims he went to bed. It was now past 9.30 p.m. and Jyothi and Awindra, they lay on the side of the road in Mahil Parpur, which is around 15 minutes away from 
the Manirka bus station where they were originally picked up, but they had been in the bus driving for an hour. So they believed they were just like circling the same spots. Awindra was more conscious than Jyothi at this point, And as he lay there, he saw the bus coming towards them, attempting to run them over. And he managed to quickly pull Jyothi and himself to safety by rolling the both of them into a ditch. He claims they were laying there naked in the ditch for a long time and onlookers came, you know, stopped, but nobody helped them. Then a police officer named Raj Kumar, who was patrolling on a motorbike, he heard someone yelling for help. As he drove closer, he saw Awindra laying there in this ditch naked and then he saw a nearly unconscious Jyothi with no clothes on with several injuries all over her body and he just saw blood everywhere. He quickly covered them with two jackets and then across the road there was a hotel called Airport Hotel Delhi 37 and he went over there and he asked them for a sheet and for some water. He then rips the sheet in half to cover Jyothi and Awindra. When he went to wrap Jyothi up he realized how badly she was hurt, how much she was bleeding and that she needed immediate medical attention. And this was a serious emergency. Raj Kumar said there was around 30 to 35 men gathered around them, but not one of them helped even when he specifically asked them to do so. Raj Kumar alleges that the first police car got there at 10 or 8 p.m., and they stopped nearby, but then they said that they never got a call for such a crime. So then they drove away. And the next police car got there at 10.22 p.m. And then one of the cops in that police car began questioning Rajkumar about how he had all this blood on his hands and started asking for his name and his rank number and his details. And Rajkumar was like, help these people, help. And don't ask me these details, help these people. I'm not going to tell you anything until you actually begin to help these victims. And the entire time this is going on, Rajkumar is trying to phone an ambulance. Finally, at 10.32, another police car comes and picks up the two victims and then drives them to a hospital called Saf Darjang Hospital where they were treated. Two days later, Rajkumar was summoned to meet with the Delhi commissioner who was in charge of this investigation, Inspector Chaya Sharma, and Raj Kumar alleges that he was asked to keep the fact that those first two police, police cars who attended had clearly delayed the process of helping the victims under wraps. He was told that the risk of some of the more powerful police inspectors losing their job or coming under question about this was too high. It was too risky. He was threatened on occasion and even bribed at times, but all of this Raj Kumar refused. And I found that pretty telling because if they had just helped them that 30 minutes earlier, who knows what have happened? We don't know. We don't know. Before we talk about Jyothi, we can talk about Awindra and what happened to him at the hospital. So when he arrived in this hospital, you know, victim of a vicious attack, he was put in a bed and he waited nearly four hours before being seen by a doctor. His family hadn't even been told about 
the incident. So he had to borrow a phone from one of the ho- uh, hospital workers so he could call his family and let them know what had happened. And it was only when his family arrived that he was given proper medical treatment. Awindra was treated for a fracture of his right leg and could not move move his arms for a month and was unable to sit or walk for long periods of time because he had severe injuries to his back and he was able to meet with Jyothi while they were in the hospital together and this is all what Awindra claims to have happened. Meanwhile, back at home, Jyothi's parents, Bajanat and Asha, are wondering where Jyothi is. They were starting to worry as this was just really not like her and at 11.15 p.m. their phone rings. The police phone them to say that there had been an accident. Bajanat goes to the hospital and then at 2 a.m. he calls for the rest of his family to join him. The surgeons had little hope for Jyothi. She was badly injured. Jyothi's parents were told that their daughter had been Dr. Rashmi Ahuja was the gynecologist on call when Jyothi was brought in and she claims that Jyothi was responsive and calm when she was giving details of what had occurred that night and Jyothi had allegedly said, I heard these people saying, catch them, tear their clothes, hit them, take their bag and using abusive language. Ram Singh, Thakur, Raju, Mukesh, Pavan, Vinay were their names. Soon after this, Jyothi was only able to give information using gestures and multiple choice questions. The surgeon was so shocked. He said that he had been working 20 years and had never seen injuries so horrific. They weren't even sure how she was alive and the doctor stated that there had been severe damage to Jyothi's abdomen, uterus, genitals and intestines. And the doctor claimed that 95% of her intestines were pulled out, leaving her with only 5% intact. Jyothi's mother, Asha, was told that the system by which the body functions is gone. And the doctors don't even know what parts to join to what. Jyothi made her family promise to never stop fighting for her, even if she didn't live through this. She went so far as to write on a piece of paper in her agony, I want to survive. She underwent five surgeries and was stable, but was still considered in critical condition. The surgeries were to correct both her internal and external injuries and also to remove the remaining 5% left of her intestines. On December 26, 2012, it was decided that Jyothi, she should be transferred to another hospital uh, in New Delhi to Mount Elizabeth Hospital in Singapore for further treatment. During the six-hour flight to Singapore, Jyothi allegedly suffered. During the six-hour flight to Singapore, Jyothi reportedly suffered a cardiac arrest and never regained consciousness. She suffered lots and lots of complications from these surgeries, including brain damage, pneumonia, and stomach infections shortly before she was declared brain dead. Over the next coming weeks, 
Jyothi's condition began to deteriorate and she was in so much pain and now she was even having difficulty talking. And, you know, that was obviously before she was declared brain dead. And her mom said she was by her side the entire time. And the worst thing was just being helpless. You can't even help your own child. However, after days and days of fighting her injuries were too severe. And 13 days later on 29th, December 2012, Jyothi Singh Pandey tragically lost her life at Mount Elizabeth Hospital in Singapore. Her father would say that he clearly remembers Jyothi sleeping on his chest as a little baby and holding his finger. But now he had to set his daughter on fire and prepare her for a cremation. Jyothi's mom says that Jyothi's last words were apologies for causing them so much trouble. She states that she never realized how attached they were to Jyothi and that they don't know how to start life again or where to start from. Initially, Jyothi's name was kept private due to the sex assault victim privacy laws in India and Indian law states It's prohibited to name a rape victim unless she authorizes it or if she is dead and her family agrees to it. She was initially referred to as Nirbhaya, meaning fearless. And her mother, Asha Devi, was actually the one who made her name public because she stated she was not ashamed and she wanted to destigmatize victims of sexual assault as well as their families. Now, less than 24 hours after the attack, Delhi police used CCTV footage to locate Ram Singh. He was found and arrested in the same bus where the assault took place. Police located others using sketches based off Awindra's descriptions and texts sent from the victim's stolen phone. So that was stupid. The five remaining suspects were all found quickly, Mukesh Singh, Pawan Gupta, Akshay Thakur, Vinay Sharma, and Raju. They were arrested and they found Jyothi's blood-stained clothes as well as the iron rod on the bus. And Jyothi's bite marks were all over these suspects' bodies. Like, she fought back against them so hard. Three of the men confessed their guilt in court on 19th December 2012, Vinay Sharma stated, I admit to my crime, hang me. Pawan Gupta also admitted, I have committed a big crime. The minor, who was only known as Raju, was convicted of murder and he received the maximum sentence for underage perpetrators, three years in jail. He was then released in 2015 without even finishing his three years. The driver, Ram Singh, is alleged to have committed suicide in Tihar jail in March of 2013, though some of his family have alleged that he was murdered by other inmates. In September of 2013, the remaining four men were convicted of kidnapping, murder, and destruction of evidence. They were sentenced to execution by hanging. In India, the death penalty is not super common and it's only handed out in the rarest of rare cases. And the fact that it was decided on this case indicates 
the severity of the crime and that the court also recognized how severe it was. The four men lodged multiple appeals for clemency, but were denied. On 20th March 2020 at 5.30am, all four men were executed by hanging at Tihar Jail. They were hung on a structure that was specifically designed for four people. All four men allegedly refused offers for a last meal and new clothes to be executed in. They were then blindfolded and did not resist. However, Vinay Sharma, he suffered a breakdown before the execution and began pleading for his life with the gods. The four men were pronounced dead after hanging for 30 minutes. And Mukesh Singh, he had requested that his organs be donated. Jyothi's death and the investigation that followed sparked massive protests and worldwide conversations. Millions criticized India's political and criminal justice systems, as well as the country's historic dismissal of sexual assault victims and survivors. Dismissal of these crimes themselves. Though people also recognize that these issues weren't exclusive to India and a lot of countries around the world also face these similar issues. There is a documentary that was, that came out in 2015 called India's Daughter following this case. And I watched it back then. And then I watched it again now. And let me tell you, if you don't want to get super angry and get high blood pressure, don't watch this documentary. Jay watched about 10 minutes of it and he refused to watch anymore. He just did not. He was having no part of it. I'll try and insert the trailer here and if I can't, I'll leave a link below for it. The entire film has a bunch of interviews with multiple different people, but I think one of the most important interviews is with one of the perpetrators, Mukesh Singh. He claimed that that night he was the one driving the bus and his interview together with his lawyer's interview is what enrages me the most. Mukesh recalls the events of that night with no remorse, just what he believes to be facts and justified. And he makes a statement, which I'll read to you. A decent girl won't roam around at nine o'clock at night. A girl is far more responsible for than a boy. Her death wouldn't have happened if she hadn't fought back. When being raped, she shouldn't fight back. She should just be silent and allow the rape. Then they'd have dropped her off after doing her. Now, calm down, calm down. But he doesn't make the statement with any anger or hatred towards women. It's kind of just like, he almost seems irritated about the whole situation, right? Like he just seems like, why is rape such a big deal, guys? Like she should have just let it happen. He's like, what's the issue? What's the big deal? Like this is all Jyothi's fault. Like we agree, right? That's literally how it feels like he thinks. Now, the defense's lawyers. If there was a face more punchable than this one, I would like to see it. The two lawyers, they make these statements that made my jaw drop. But at the same time, you know, I wasn't even that surprised because I have been in the presence of men with similar mentalities. 
Now I want to read you some direct quotes because you need to hear it too. You are talking about man and woman as friends. Sorry, that doesn't have any place in our society. We have the best culture. In our culture, there is no place for a woman. Then he says, you cannot penetrate without being excited. If you can't do that, how can you go for sex? And how can you go for rape? So first step is excitement. And a man will be excited when he gets the atmosphere. And whether he gets an atmosphere or not depends on the circumstances in which he is in. Will you be able to do it? Tell me. This has nothing to do with whether you are married or not. Go watch a porn movie. Today, you'll get to know. (sighs) Now, if you didn't understand what he means by this statement, he's basically saying that the woman is committing acts that excite the man, right? Without a woman doing certain things to excite this man, the man would not be excited. So this is essentially the woman consenting for the act of sex taking place. Does that make sense? So because she's committing the act to excite a man, now that the man's excited, you need to relief, relieve that excitement because you committed the act to excite him. Gorgeous. Another gorgeous statement about women asking for it. Gorgeous. Oh, I wrote down one more just so we can look at this beautiful man. Gorgeous, empathetic, amazing guy. If you have a bread or sweet meat and you put it outside your house, can you tell me what will happen? Neighborhood dogs will come eat it and go. Not a piece would be left for you. If you keep that box protected in the fridge, the dogs will not get a chance to eat it. (sighs) Now, after clips from Mukesh Singh's interview from the documentary India's Daughter were leaked online or surfaced online, the Indian government actually stopped the scheduled broadcast of the film India's Daughter, which was originally scheduled on 8th March 2015. And It was scheduled to be released on International Women's Day. The Indian Home Minister's office released a statement saying that they were enforcing this ban because the film's director, Leslie Udwin, hadn't gotten permission to interview Mukesh in prison. They also stated that she didn't abide by agreements to show authorities unedited versions of the interview. And because Mukesh's statements are an affront to the dignity of women, Even though Leslie claims that she took all the steps necessary to make sure that everything was done correctly because it's her film. She wanted it to be shown. In another statement, the government warned that the clips from the film appear to encourage and incite violence against women. Some supporters of the band state that airing Mukesh's interview was basically giving a platform to a views. Others say that the documentary paints sexual violence as an Indian issue as opposed to a global one and they fear that it will perpetuate a white savior mentality in foreign viewers. It's most likely that the government finds the film nationally embarrassing. They also believe that the documentary is an international conspiracy 
to defame India and they have protested that releasing this film would affect its tourism. And yeah, I think it's a tough one to argue because yeah, you want to you want the film to be shown because you want people to know about this hor- horrific crime that took place but at the same time it does make India look really bad, you know? And it's like well, at the same time the crime took place there, so it's like a fact is a fact is a fact, right? But it's also the country's economy to think about and people who feel like, hey, you know, majority of the men in India don't do these kinds of things. So it's painting it to be that every Indian man is going to do this to you. And that's just not the case. A Netflix documentary called Delhi Crime focuses on the investigation of this case. And it doesn't really portray the crime or show the brutal events that took place. It kind of goes more into the actual investigation of the case. The producers got permission from Jyothi's family to tell her story and they hoped that it would bring awareness to her story as well as something more positive in the future. Jay and I finished watching the series. We actually watched um, season one and two and I really, really enjoy the show. I would say season one kind of ended a bit like a bit quickly, like it just ended a bit abruptly, but it's a really good show. I highly encourage you to watch it if you kind of want to get a better idea of what really happens or happened, I should say, in, you know, countries where, I mean, imagine locating these six men in India. The police did a great job. There are so many people there. How did they find these men? So they did a great job. I hope this series as well brings awareness to these situations that are taking place not only in India, guys, but in other countries where the laws are just archaic. I highly suggest you guys also watch India's Daughter. It is hard to watch. It's um, hard to fathom that people can think that way, especially when we're privileged to, you know, for those of us that live in Western countries, of course, there are things that take place, but, you know, we're pretty privileged in our freedoms as women, you know, for the most of it. So the incidences of sexual violence in India are so bad that a woman is raped every 18 minutes. Following this case, stricter laws and court procedures were introduced to reduce the large backlog of cases to allow the perpetrators to be punished in a more timely manner, you know, so that they don't, you know, get caught for this crime and then their paperwork just sits there for months, years, because they have so many other cases to deal with, you know, and they are implementing or began implementing some sort of better system. But statistics statistics are showing that the problem is only getting worse. There's an increase of crimes against women, and this can largely be explained by the preservation of some people's beliefs of gender inequality and male entitlement. The judicial system struggle with the sheer volume of people in the country, together with the cases of corruption and people's willingness to just overlook these issues, these crimes, these cases, these victims. This has led to a 19% rise in sexual violence against women. So just some stats. The number of rapes in New Delhi alone has gone up to 7,887 cases from January 2022 to the end of July 2022. 
Okay, so previously, in 2021, that period, it was uh, 6,747. So it's gone up to 7887. What's the math on that? An extra 1,100-ish. I can understand the frustration of women in India, as well as other countries that are facing these same issues. Hell, here in Australia, when these kinds of crimes, you know, take place and women all over the world already worry about their safety on a day-to-day basis. But living amongst people, especially men who don't believe that your life is worth as much as theirs, who believe it is okay to harm you if you're out past 8.30 p.m., even if you're with a friend just to watch a movie, that is terrifying. It seems like a lot of perpetrators are not even afraid of the law because they know the majority of the time the system is going to take so long to sort through these matters. And a lot of the time, because it takes so long and because you know, these lawmakers are so overworked, like stressed, you know, a lot of these parties can be paid off and the victim is left there to suffer if she survives. I'm struggling a little bit with this case, as you guys most, most likely can tell. I forgot to even do my makeup. I had to like rush my makeup halfway through the video because I was like, I didn't even do anything because I was so focused on what was happening. So, you know, trying not to get upset. And like I said, with Nina's video, these cases, these topics are super important to me. And I don't want this to become a bash India video. Majority of the people in this country don't think this way. These crimes are not a defining characteristic of the country. This country has beautiful tradition, cultures, people, and that is why these topics need to be discussed and shared. Jyothi's family wants her name to be known. Jyothi suffered for 13 days, unimaginable pain. None of us could imagine, and we should feel lucky that hopefully we will never have to. The Nirbaya Jyothi Trust was launched by her family in her honor, and it provides shelter and resources for victims of sexual violence. In a 2012 survey by the Hindustan Times, so 10 years ago, 92 out of 100 Delhi men aged 18 to 25 said some or all of their friends have made passes at women in public places, while more than 78% of the women that they surveyed had claimed that they had been sexually harassed. And I'm so glad I had access to a VPN to even get all this information. I hope that Jyothi's story touches your heart, that we think about these women that fall victim to these horrific crimes. And I hope that one day things will change. I will leave links to further information below for anyone interested. Don't forget to sign up to Surfshark, guys. Don't just protect yourself in person. Protect yourself online. You can use the link below in my description box. Thank you so much for watching, guys. I will see you in the next video. Besitos. Bye.